Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves. Final score, 122-113, and holy hell, holy cow, Jamal Murray. Like, what more can you say about the dude, right? He comes back from the torn ACL. He's got a lot of pressure on him, obviously. There's a lot of feeling about how he just needs to be better. He needs to be the best version of himself that he can possibly be. And it's really cool to see him show up in a big way like this. He was a little bit shaky, a little bit shaky for a while, but I am excited to be able to pod. Now, I'm sorry about uh, the late night squad. Uh, (laughs) Ryan says, you still awake? Uh, 555-ish says, let's go late night pod. Uh, Marco uh, says, we're here already. I appreciate everybody for hanging up with me. I'm flying out to Minnesota tomorrow, and I have an afternoon flight. So I have the option of either going really early in the morning tomorrow or going really late tonight. I knew I wanted to get out of podcast, and I figured, hey, what the hell? Let's just see. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we can get a crowd in here for this late night escapade. And hopefully we can we can have some fun. I also just want to get this pot up and, and get the algorithm for YouTube. So that will hopefully uh, be, be a good thing. But I'm really excited about it. Thank you, Cedric. I do appreciate that. Uh, really, really do appreciate it. And, and I do think that it's nice to be able to talk immediately after the game. Get that live uh, reaction. Get that... Uh, quicker reaction than when I'm usually not as awake in the morning. So for me, this is good. I'm still excited. I knew that a few people would be wired after this win, Seth. So I I appreciate everybody for staying up with me. But now let's get into it. Jamal Murray. Look, I was grinning ear to ear like for, for a lot of that game. I was just really excited to see him play the way that he played. It's always great. It's always great when, because I've I've got a decent relationship with the dude. Like he's, I, I have a vested interest in his success, as should most Nuggets fans. But he's had to go through a lot over the course of this year, and, and I think he's had a lot of pressure on him uh, just just throughout this process. The Nuggets have tried to alleviate a lot of that pressure throughout the season, but it's pretty clear that he he was feeling it at, at various points this year. But he always rises to the occasion in the playoffs, right? Like, he always rises to that moment, and tonight was no different. 40 points. Matching what Anthony Edwards was doing on the other end, Denver had no answer for Anthony Edwards tonight, and Jamal needed to put up every single one of those points to ensure that Denver got the victory. Really, really impressive stuff from him. Goes for 40 points on 13 of 22 from the field, 6 of 10 from 3, 8 of 9 from the line, had 5 assists and 2 steals, did have 4 turnovers, but it is what it is. Uh, it's just impressive. It's impressive to see Jamal at this level again. And and he's spoke about it postgame. He has talked about the playoffs before and the bubble before and how he likes to get up for these moments. But he didn't like the fact that he was being separated from bubble Jamal Murray to other Jamal Murray. Like, he's still the same player. It's just he raises his game in the playoffs. And unfortunately, he's only had two playoff runs. The first was his debut when he was 21 years old. The next was the very next year at 22 years old. And for him to be 
raising his game the way that he does consistently, it always gives Denver that edge. It always gives them that extra little bit of juice that they know they can tap into in those clutch moments. I thought that Nikola struggled at times tonight. Now, the, the final line is pretty good. Like, there's there's no question about that. But I thought there were times that Nikola struggled with his decision-making. He was going one-on-one a little bit too much. Jamal, he went one-on-one at times a bit too much as well, but he still, like, made all of these shots, delivered all these plays. And it's always a joy when he gets to rise to those occasions because the crowd just feeds off of it so much. Everybody knows just how important Nicola is. And Michael Malone said this postgame, too. I also wrote about this on MileHighSports.com. If you're looking for some written content, I wrote about this uh, now yesterday on, on Wednesday prior to the game, that Jokic is one guy. Denver, for them to be the best version of themselves, they need Jamal Murray and they need Michael Porter Jr. to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. And this was the best version of Jamal Murray. The guy who's fighting on both ends of the floor, who's competing, who's going back and forth. And Jamal rose to that occasion in the best way possible, delivering in, like, how how many big shots did he hit? How many big shots did he go for in this one where you just need the step back, you need the turnaround, you need the drive to the rim? He had some great passes to Jokic as well throughout this game. Only had five assists, but I do think that he... Like, he got undersold on some of those assists. I, I think they, there were some misses there that could have had, like, he could have had even more plays. But for Jamal to step up in that regard, like, six threes is a big deal. Eight of nine from the free throw line is a big deal. But T-Wolves could not stop him. And I knew that this could be a possibility the moment they changed their lineup. I thought, okay, what's the big, like, what's the thing that the Timberwolves can change heading into game two? Well, they decided to take out Nikhil Alexander-Walker from the starting lineup, and he had done a great job against Jamal in Game 1. Jamal was held to 2 of 8, according to NBA.com, by Nikhil Alexander-Walker in Game 1. So for them to remove him from the starting lineup, it opened up a plethora of possibilities for Jamal, and he took 8 shots really quickly in that first quarter. Had 14 points. You knew that he was very aggressive, that he was trying to get himself going. Then he had 18 at half. I think he had like 25, 28 at, um, like after the third quarter and then finished with 40. Like, it was a great paced game from him. He was productive all throughout, kept Denver alive in that third quarter when they needed buckets because uh, Jokic wasn't playing great. Den- nobody else was really touching the ball other than those two. And it was just nice to see him deliver in this moment. He deserves that shine. He's always been an all star caliber player. The consistency in the regular season is definitely a thing, definitely something that he has to improve upon. But I thought he did this year in a lot of different ways. The team as a whole says that he's a better player. Like Nikola Jokic says that he's a better player than the bubble. Michael Porter said that he's a better player than the bubble. Uh, Those guys, they see the, the holistic growth that he's had. It's not just the shooting efficiency. It's not just the explosiveness. They see the leadership. They see the playmaking. They they see the engagement that he's provided on a consistent basis. And it's just really cool to see him shine in this way and and do it on the biggest stage. Nikola Jokic, uh, another strong performance from Nikola. I do think that I would call this like an average Nikola game uh, just because his bar is so high, right? Like when he takes all of these opportunities, when he takes all of these shots, 
10 of 19 tonight, 1 of 3 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw line. His shooting touch looked a little bit suspect throughout this game. and uh, He was obviously questionable with the wrist injury, so he gets a little bit of a pass here. But I do think that Rudy Gobert, you know, when he wasn't fouling him by smacking him directly in the face, like... I think that Rudy Gobert was playing some really good defense, really physical defense, and was getting away with a lot against Jokic. And he had to fight through that. And I don't think that Jokic did that very well in the third quarter. I thought that it was actually mostly him that was responsible for the third. He wasn't getting great help uh, other than Murray in that quarter, don't get me wrong. But in that in that third quarter specifically, Jokic was a turnstile on defense, and he was making offensive mistakes that he doesn't usually make. Like, he was 0 of 4 to start that quarter. He finished with some points, but uh, I do think that in general, this was the one bad quarter that Jokic has had so far in this series. And he still finished with 27, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, only 3 turnovers, and was a plus 6 in a game the Nuggets won by 9. So it's really great. It's really great to see Nikola play. Like even even like an average game, and for Denver to survive that because Jokic will play better. I, I think that Rudy Gobert is a great defender, and and that's just one of the things that other teams in the future, if Denver does move on from this series, other teams in the future don't have a Rudy Gobert where you can put somebody who's athletic and long and physical and knows Jokic as well as he does. Absolutely, Jokic will be better going forward from a scoring and a and a efficiency standpoint, and he was still relatively efficient tonight, but I know that he can be even better. I know that he's he's got his best left in store. Uh, they are trying to, to scheme the hell out of him, and they've left Jamal Murray to do his thing, and Jamal has absolutely shined in these two games as a result of that. So it's great that Denver has that flexibility. They're going to need that on the road. They're going to need Jokic to be even better on the road than he has been at home. So That'll be where I am looking to the most heading into game three. And finally, for the first segment, let's talk about Michael Porter. Holy cow. <laughs> like, Michael Porter had one shot. One. Entering the fourth quarter. He hadn't been involved. The team didn't do a good job of involving him in the game plan. He was floating. He was cutting, but not necessarily available. In his actual shot attempts, the team did not look for him. I thought that Murray and Jokic, uh, probably Murray especially, took too many, like not too many shots, but like dominating the ball a little bit, trying to get himself going. And when you score 40 points, that absolutely is okay. Like you're, you definitely get a pass for that. But one of the byproducts of that, when you have two guys in Jokic and Murray that combined for 41 shots, is that Porter had one entering the fourth quarter. But the great thing about Denver's struggles in that third was that they played Jokic and Murray that entire third quarter, and MPJ had to start off that fourth. He had to be the guy. There was nobody else. Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, KCP, Bruce Brown. MPJ has to be the guy in those situations. And the first play that they ran, they uh, they entered the ball to Aaron Gordon at the left elbow, MPJ immediately sprints off of the right elbow, off of a screen from, I think, Jeff Green, catches the ball, fires immediately, gets fouled, hits a clutch shot from three. Holy cow. It's the second time in a row that he's done that, where he's just screaming off the screen. And 
hits a shot on the move that he I don't think he ever really does that that much. It's mostly like he will he'll run off the screen, but then he'll take time to get set. This time he hasn't done that. He's just screaming off that screen. And at 6'10", to be able to get that shot off, even over a great contest, clearly a great contest because he got fouled both times doing it, last game and this game. Him being able to hit that shot is such a big deal, and especially because he had only taken one shot up until that point. He'd take a couple free throws, but he only took one shot. And it's so hard to get back into that rhythm when you haven't touched the ball at all. I want to stress this, that what Porter did in that fourth quarter, I think he had 13 of his 16 points in the fourth, He made uh, off-the-dribble shots. He drove to the rim. He drove to the mid-range. He hit multiple threes. It was a masterclass fourth-quarter performance from Michael Porter. And it is so difficult to do that when you're not involved. How to get yourself going in those situations. It's, It's so difficult when you don't have a feel for the flow of that game. You have to be an absolutely generational shooter in order to make that happen. And it's a great thing. Michael Porter's a generational shooter. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool for Denver to have a guy like that. And it's really cool that they were able to make it work. Uh, Trevor says MPJ start to the fourth was prime, like Optimus. Ryan says clutch. Alexander says a classic Porter quarter. Cedric says that three was clutch by MPJ. I mean, guys, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's unbelievable that Denver has this level of shooting talent at their disposal, and he's just their third option. On a lot of other teams, Porter would have opened up the bag a little bit. He would have worked on his off-the-dribble game. He'd probably be a better like off-the-dribble scorer on another team. But in Denver, he's become Clay Thompson. He's become that guy that they need around the Steph Curry, Draymond Green pick and roll. For Denver, it's Jokic and Murray. Those guys are awesome. Murray put up 40 points. Jokic put up 27, 9, and 9. There's no need to upset the pecking order. But Porter's a guy that can. Porter's a guy that he's a value add. Whenever he gets that hot, the team is going to win because it's not something that they always have to count upon. Like They can go to the Jokic-Murray two-man game pretty consistently and get good shots, get good possessions. But then you add an MPJ doing what he's capable of doing, and holy cow, Like these teams that are going to have to guard Denver in the playoffs, whether it's Minnesota for the rest of this series, whether it's a future team in a future series, they're going to have so much in hell in terms of trying to guard Denver. Now, Denver will be, like, they'll, they'll be guarded better, like, by better teams. I don't think that Minnesota's a very good team. I think that they, like, they have great defensive talent in general, but I don't think that they are a great team. And they're just not ready for this moment, I don't think. But... That could change in game three. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But I think that Porter, what he does, like to do this in five in five of seven shooting, 16 points, five of seven, two of three, four of five from, uh, from the free, free throw line. Like, holy cow. It's unbelievable. And he deserves so much credit. Michael Malone, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, they all showered praise on the dude, saying that they probably don't win this game if MPJ doesn't go off the way that he did. And for him to do that in that moment, is clutch. It is so clutch. And uh, I know everybody in the comments is like, yeah, need more shots. I agree. I definitely, definitely agree. Uh, They're going to have to try to find better ways to involve him. Porter can do better to find ways to involve himself. Sometimes he breaks the play. 
a little bit, and I thought he was breaking the play a little bit in that fourth quarter just to run around the court, get to the ball, get to the, like, try, try to find open ways to, to get off ball or get open off ball. That's what I mean. He will continue to work for that, and, and he has to continue to work for that. Think about how hard Steph and Clay work to get their open shots because of how lethal they are as shooters. Porter's going to have to learn to work that hard, though he doesn't have to work as hard as those guys because Steph is 6'3", Clay is 6'7", MPJ 6'10". Like, he can shoot over just about anybody. 6'10", with, with a ratchet. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the starters and the bench rotation. But first, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. They are our favorite sponsor. They do great stuff. And they are here to tell you that the push for postseason in hockey and in hoops is here. Make it all count this spring with Superbook. They are the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. This is Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back and pick Axe and Roll. back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Everybody, make sure to drop a like if you are listening to this bad boy. Uh, let's let's get this thing popular. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, seen a lot of new subscribers heading to the MHS channel. That is super, super cool. Tide raises all boats with this thing. You can make sure to check out Nuggets coverage like this, or the Avs are currently going with Arif Dean. He's doing great work. And uh, let's talk Broncos. They are always on this channel as well. So make sure to check everything out. All right. Let's now discuss Aaron Gordon. Got into foul trouble in this game. I, I don't think he was particularly effective, though there were times where he definitely benefited from the attention that uh, Jokic took over and that Murray took over. There was a play towards the end of the game where Jokic and Murray run a side pick and roll or at least it kind of turns into what's a side pick and roll. Jokic slips, he's available. MPG, or AG's man has to step up, and then AG gets the lob thrown to him. That's always fun. That's always great. You love to see those plays, especially in the fourth quarter, where MP, or AG, like he's got to stay involved. He's got to be that guy who, who does just about everything. Now, he spent all five of his fouls, like he had six fouls to give, only spent five of them, but played 33 minutes. As a result of that foul trouble, I think Jeff Green played even a little bit more than he probably should have with the bench. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But 12 points on 6 of 11, 10 rebounds. Uh, He is still so important, AG. And there were a couple of tips that he missed around the rim where he grabbed some of those offensive rebounds that he didn't hit, uh, things that he normally does. But he had six offensive rebounds tonight, three assists. The hustle is real. I do think that he got dusted a little bit at times when guarding anybody other than Cat. I thought that Cat, he actually did a really good job against him. That's a great sign. Cat, 10, 10 points tonight, 3 of 12 from the field, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 turnovers for Carl Anthony Towns. Like, that's the difference in the game for them. They don't have a second star. <laughs> Rudy Gobert was their second star tonight. He had 19 points on 11 shots. 
And I think that Jokic has to do better than that matchup too. But like Anthony Edwards was great. Carl Anthony Towns was not good. And I think that Aaron Gordon can take the lion's share of the credit for that one. Just defends him so physically, defends him, switches, uh, does a great job of, of fighting him for every little bit of position. And he did get into some foul trouble tonight. But look, it's way better for AG to get into foul trouble than Jokic, than Murray, than MPJ. And MPJ got into a little bit of foul trouble tonight. That's why he only played 29 minutes. That's why his rotation was a little bit different this, this game. We'll talk about that in just a little bit here. Actually, I totally, uh, uh, did I, did I change that thing? Yes, I did. Um, yes, I did. Uh, but yeah, no, Aaron Gordon was, was staggering with the bench. He did some good things. Most important thing that he can do is continue to defend, work hard, and do everything that he possibly can to make Cat's life as difficult as possible. But, uh, when he got switched on to Anthony Edwards, Edwards shot right over him. I didn't didn't have any confidence or, or any any lack of confidence. I think that if AG is guarding Anthony Edwards going forward, he's got to press up on the dude. The last time that AG had the primary Anthony Edwards assignment, I'm pretty sure Edwards had 10 threes when he was in Denver. So that's just something that he's got, like, or at least that happened. That's happened in a previous matchup where Anthony Edwards had 10 threes last year uh, while being guarded by Gordon. So... If they are switching those matchups going forward, AG's got to step up. He's got to do what he can. He's got to defend without fouling, and he's got to be quick. I know he's got to battle physically against Cat, but I think it slowed him down a little bit in the matchups against a perimeter player. He feels like he has to sag. He can't. He's got to trust his rotation defense and, and trust that guys are going to be helping behind him. So we will see what happens, but uh, in general, a good game from AG. Not a great game, but good. KCP, not a great game from him. Uh, had a really good game last night or last time, so not a big deal. I don't think he did a great job against Anthony Edwards. I think that anytime you have a guy, your primary matchup go off for 41 points, you're going to have to look in the mirror a little bit on, on like why some of those things happened. Uh, it wasn't all KCP. I think a lot of it came on switches. A lot of it came in transition. Not necessarily all up to him, but 39 minutes tonight for KCP. That's a lot. It's a lot of minutes. We'll talk about why those minutes were as high in just a little bit here, but 0 of 2 from 3, 3 of 10 from the field. Like, his shooting has got to travel in this next game. I think that the Timberwolves did a good job of trying to run him off the line. They did a good job of staying home on that matchup. Uh, KCP can't take eight twos and two threes, in my opinion. I think he's a, a key guy when it comes to spacing the floor. Denver tonight as a team took 22 three-pointers. That is not enough. They are not winning the math battle that way. They shot 10 of 22 tonight from three. Murray shot six of 10, which means the rest of the team as a whole shot four of 12. And Porter hit two of three threes in that fourth quarter. So like the team is not spacing the floor well enough in those moments. And I think that that's got to be a thing that Denver improves if they want to win this series. Now, they still scored. They still had a good offense, but... KCP's got to be one of those guys. He's their primary floor spacer as a spot-up shooter. So he's got to find ways to get those threes down because he's too good not to take them. Bench lineup tonight. A little bit different because of Murray's hot shooting. I wonder if this would have changed, but I did like the version of the lineup that they got to. Bruce Brown, uh, one of Christian Brown or KCP, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. That was the primary group that Denver used. 
And Christian Brown only played seven minutes, and I will talk about that in just a little bit. But the main staggers that Denver used, partially due to foul trouble, partially due to Murray getting hot, KCP staggered with the second unit, MPJ staggered with the second unit. Aaron Gordon was always going to stagger with the second unit. So Denver used some lineups, especially in that second quarter where they went on a big run, where they had three starters out there, and Jokic and Murray were the guys that were sitting. I like that Denver's willing to go to those things because even if they don't go to them all the time, even if, even if they don't abuse them going forward, it's something that Malone can feel like he can go to in his back pocket. And one of the great things about running a short bench rotation is you're going to have to find different combinations of guys that you like. And I like this one. I, I think that Brown is the point guard, Michael Porter as kind of your, your main scorer, but KCP, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, those guys hustling, defense, rebounding, running, trying to make things easier on yourself by making things harder on the opposition. It's a good lineup identity to have, and I think that's something that Denver can really uh, try to try to push forward because it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether – whether like Murray will probably go back to staggering when he's not dropping 40, uh, when he's not dropping 15 points in the first quarter, but – I do think that it's something to at least monitor, something to think about. Bruce Brown, 30 points, only had, or, uh, sorry, 30 minutes, only had six points. Sorry, it's late for me too, folks. Uh, five assists tonight, three rebounds, two steals, did some good things, uh, was the team leader of plus 16 out there. And because a lot of the times that he was out there, he was the guy hustling, he was the guy getting some pick sixes, doing some good things, switching, running hustling. That was the identity that Denver needed. And look, I, I wish that they had played Bruce even more at times, but there was moments towards the end of that fourth quarter, or like, I think uh, middle of the fourth quarter, where he was out there and Anthony Edwards just went to the post against him and posted him up, hit a turnaround fadeaway right over him. He was too small. That's something that they're going to have to monitor. But if Murray's going to be out there uh, with Bruce Brown, then that's a that's a tough thing to have to put on Murray from a, a physical defensive standpoint. I think one of the reasons why actually it's tough. Like Edwards Edwards really impressed me tonight. Edwards was really, really good. And I, I think the Nuggets fans should definitely give him a lot of credit. He spent a lot of time guarding Jamal. Uh Edwards did. It wasn't the entire night. I don't want to like give him excess credit, but when it wasn't Nikhil Alexander-Walker rotating, when it wasn't Kyle Anderson at times, when it wasn't Tari and Prince at times or anybody else, it was Anthony Edwards. And I think he did a really nice job, uh, Edwards did, of both defending and of scoring. Like, how, how to have the energy to do both of those things is really, really impressive. Edwards, obviously, an elite athlete, probably could be an even better athlete, if we're being honest. But uh, I do think that Denver's got to make him work on the defensive end. And if Murray can keep giving buckets, that'll make it easier for that. But the the better matchups that Denver can get there, the better they will be. Uh, if Bruce can find ways to defend Ant, that'll be super helpful. I don't think he did a great job against Mike Conley, if I'm being honest. Bruce Brown, uh, Mike Conley went 14 points, 5 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 7 assists, 1 turnover. Uh, not great. Uh, but... Here's the thing. Minnesota hit 14 threes, shot 45% from the from the three-point line, 19 of 23. They hit 19 of those. They shot really well, and they still didn't have enough to overcome Denver's best. 
Like that's a that's a good sign, I think, for Denver, even when they're going off. So hopefully Denver can get back to holding them down a little bit. Although a little bit of a reality check, I would say, about Denver's defense and maybe Bruce's defense, but just about everybody's defense, if I'm being honest. So we'll see. Jeff Green, uh, 46 minutes or 26 minutes tonight, 11 points, 5 of 7 from the field. He was 4 of 6 in that first half and 1 of 1 from 3. Big time, like big time stuff from Jeff Green. He drew a charge on Cap Carl Anthony Towns as well. Uh, did have a couple turnovers on screening fouls, I believe, but uh, he defended Cat extremely well. Like that's that's a really really important aspect of this. That when Cat is staggering with the second unit, uh, at times Jeff Green will be on him if it's not Aaron Gordon. Like Jeff has a lot of pressure on him this series. I think that if it was Vlaco, if it was Zeke. I think that Cat would have a little bit more uh, confidence in, in those minutes. Now, Zeke might do a pretty good job against him, but he'd probably foul him a little bit more frequently. Jeff, I think, has done a pretty good job. Like, he's, he's fouled him at times, but a lot of those have been on the floor, haven't had a, a ton of parades for Cat to the free throw line. He had two free throw attempts tonight. Fantastic stuff. Uh, when Gobert was out there, I think Denver, like, I think that was actually the play where Jeff hit the three. Like Jeff's got to hit that three. Like he's got to hit hit threes when Rudy Gobert is going to stag. He's going to sag all the way into the paint, give a wide open three to a guy like Jeff Green. Jeff missed his threes in the first game. Made this important one. Uh, I did want to highlight zero rebounds uh, for Jeff in 26 minutes. That's pretty bad. But he was also plus 15, so it's hard to really be too critical, right? Like I'm not I'm not super concerned. Denver did not get to that MPJ at the four lineup. I do think that that's probably uh, that is probably something that they could try rather than putting out Jeff, but I and I think that that's something that they can go to with Christian Brown at the three. So there's ways that they can get to a better group maybe, but I did think that Jeff like he played well. Plus minus doesn't really lie in this one. I think that he had a positive impact. Very very important. And Christian Brown wrapping up the rotation. Only seven minutes for Christian Brown tonight. I'm not surprised that this is what happened uh, when Denver, like the, the rotation kind of tightens up a little bit when Denver needs to get a win, when they need to uh, take on a little bit of extra, um, like get, get some more vets out there. That's what Michael Malone likes. And, and honestly, like who can, who can fault him? Like your, your counters are like Jamal, KCP, Michael Porter, Bruce Brown, like all those guys, like those are the, the competition. That, that Christian has in this series. So he was still a plus one. It wasn't like he was bad in his minutes. I just think that Denver went a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I remember him attacking the rim a couple times. The first one, I'm pretty sure he challenged Rudy Gobert at the rim, and then it drew over Rudy Gobert away from Jokic, and so Jokic had a really easy putback layup on, on an offensive rebound. Uh, that's great. And then in transition, Christian Brown comes comes down the floor, same thing finishes over the top of the transition defense, and, and that was a, a big momentum play for Christian. So he can provide value in the series. I don't think anybody's saying anything different. I don't think Michael Malone's going away from him or anything like that. Denver just kind of get got away from it in the rotation this time around. But I do think like he, he's going to have to play. Like Even in these road games, he's going to have to play in some of those moments, like they're they're not going to be able to just play Murray forty minutes a night, KCP thirty nine, 
Uh, Jokic played 37. That's probably going to continue. But Bruce Brown played 30. Jeff Green played 26. There is a way to get Christian Brown a little bit more time. And I think that they will try to get to that. Like, cut down four minutes on KCP. Uh, cut down four minutes on, I don't know, Bruce. Have him play 26 minutes as opposed to 30, which I think is fair. And then you get Christian back up to 15. So that's where I think that he should be sitting this series. I think he's going to make a good defensive impact. He's going to be a guy that Minnesota Timberwolves fans hate in their arena. So hopefully he can take advantage of that, give Denver a big boost. Uh, But overall, folks, like really great win here. Denver deserves a lot of credit for this, even though they had that bad third quarter. Don't want to read too much into it. The Timberwolves were always going to fight. They were always going to try to push back a little bit. And Denver staved it off. They, they did exactly what they had to do. So let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, Denver defending home court and also how Jokic and Murray, or not Jokic and Murray, but how Murray and Porter, they're going to get their flowers here relatively soon. Uh, but first, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the afternoon drop with Anilo Pira and Cody Work. Those guys are fantastic, and they do a great job Every single afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m., make sure to check out the afternoon drive with those guys as they're going to take a fresh new perspective to the Denver sports landscape with revolving conversation about all of Colorado sports teams along with trending topics across the world of sports. You can stream afternoon drive with AP and work on the Mile High Sports app, milehighsports.com, and listen on 98.1 FM or 107.5 HD3. If you missed an episode, not a big deal. Just search Afternoon Drive with Anila and Cody, wherever you get your podcasts to listen on demand. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Final segment here, Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to go subscribe over on the YouTube channel. Make sure to go uh, hang out on the podcast app. Uh, I wonder where, if you're not on YouTube, I wonder where everybody actually listens on the podcast. I've got uh, analytics on it, but I wonder the people that are interacting with me, I wonder where they they actually get this podcast and download it from. So very interesting to hear that nonetheless. All right. Uh, Joe Backa says, two down, 14 to go. We're getting that parade this year, boys. I love it, Joe. I think, hey, bring the energy at 1.30 in the morning. I love it. That's the way that we're going to get through this pod, and I, I really do appreciate the support. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where Denver goes from, from here, but one thing that we can say, they've officially defended the home court. That's the most important thing. I made sure to remind Michael Malone that he's never been up 2-0 in a series before in Denver. He was like, really appreciate that, Ryan. He, he actually did say that that is legitimate. Uh, but the important thing here is that Denver, when they defend home court to begin the series, they're putting themselves into a position where they can succeed in a big, big way and try to do so early. The wins don't have to be pretty in order to get a sweep or to get a, to win a series in five. You just have to get them. And then if you get them, and another team doesn't, then you're going to be in a great position for the long haul. It's not going to be crazy in order to say, hey, we've got to do X, Y, or Z. We've got to 
have to come back from from two to from a two one deficit or from a three one deficit. Like being up two zero is a really big deal, and it puts Denver in the driver's seat for the first time in a long time. Uh, game three is going to be tough. There's there's no doubt about that. I'll talk about that in just a little bit here. But most important thing for Denver is that they've taken care of business so far. The first win not that difficult. Second win. Uh, it was definitely a struggle, definitely a stressor. Uh, but Denver, they show that they're the more veteran team. They show that they have the poise, and that's exactly what you're hoping for. I think about this in three phases. Denver was three separate teams tonight. They were the team that got up, that got up big, plus 22 or whatever it was, like through about, I don't know, 20 minutes of this game. They were absolutely dominant. They were killing it. It looked like the Timberwolves had no desire to be in the building anymore. And Denver put so much pressure on them from the get-go that it looked like they might crumble. And yet they kind of turned it around and they cut that lead. They cut into Denver's lead. Uh, They dropped it to 15 at halftime. And then they took over that third quarter. The T-Wolves were fantastic in that third quarter. And that's that's always a tough place to be if you're the Nuggets because... You've had bad third quarters before. It's a really tough momentum thing. But it's better to be bad in the third quarter than the fourth quarter. That I will. I will take to my grave. Not a big deal if you have the resiliency of the Nuggets, and that's the third version of them. They are the resilient Nuggets. They're the bubble Nuggets. The Nuggets that, when the chips are are down, this is the team that rises to the top. This is the team that bounces back, that makes the big plays, that makes the big stops, hits the big shots. And... MPJ did that. Jamal did that. Jokic did that. You had a lot of guys that contributed in that fourth quarter defensively. And most importantly for Denver, like they showed all, all of their versions tonight. I think everybody that watched this game can take away uh, basically anything that they took away from the regular season. Denver, the version that showed up in that uh, first and most of the second quarter, was that version from December to February where they were just absolutely killing everybody. Best team in the league, best point differential, doing everything right. They approached the games the right way during that stretch. And then the game that was kind of apathetic was the versions from October and November and in March and April. Like those are those are all the same team, but sometimes the ugliness kind of shows up in, in some bad ways. So And then the third version is the one that we haven't really seen that much of this year. We haven't had to see that much of because they haven't been pushed. They haven't been uh, not exposed, but like put under under the microscope. Like what do people see when they look under the microscope of this team? Well, now you see it. Now you see that their identity is still that resilient beast. Like with Jamal Murray out there, he's not going to let you die. With Michael Porter out there, he's liable to go off at any moment. You are not alive. Like when it when it comes to like you're not you're not in the clear is what I'm trying to say. You are not in the clear when it comes to Murray, Porter, and Jokic. Like all those three guys are just liable to go off at any moment, and they have the confidence and the ability and the shot making and the poise to be able to do that on a whim. And it's really cool to see that from this team at this moment. They are very very good. Uh, whether they are great, we don't know. Like we, we just don't know if they're great yet. But I do want to say, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, those guys, 
I think I feel like they have been underrated by the masses for a long time. Anybody that looks at Denver's numbers from a statistical standpoint, they look at the on-off data, they look at Jokic's box plus minus, they look at all the triple doubles and things like that, and they're like, okay, so it really is just Jokic and nobody else, right? And they're kind of right. Not like fully right. I think it's disingenuous to say that they're fully right. I think that with Murray and Porter, one of the things that I wrote about today, or I wrote about in my story earlier on Wednesday, was that those guys allow him to be the best version of himself. If you don't have a guy like Murray or a guy like Porter, two guys that are willing to be aggressive shooters, but are also willing to fade into the background if it means the best for the team, those guys allow Jokic, or, or at least accelerate or maximize, whatever the word you want to call it, they maximize what he does best. And having the two-man game that Denver can go to where they can generate a good shot pretty much every single time, that's always a big deal. But then you have a guy in Porter who's just liable, hey, like you throw him the ball and he's open, like even if he's covered. That's just who he is. And so you have both of those options, and it allows Jokic sometimes to score 13 points like he did in game one. He didn't need to go off. He she shot the ball 12 times. Tonight, he shot the ball 19 times. He probably didn't need to shoot it that many times, if I'm being honest, but he shot 19 times and took it a lot on, on himself a little bit, and that was good. Like Denver got the win because of that. But they can win different ways, and they can win with Jokic being different versions of, of himself. They couldn't win with Jokic being different versions of himself if they didn't have players that were scalable, if they didn't have players that were malleable, they didn't have guys that were okay taking 10 shots on one night, 7 shots on another, and 15 or 20 the next night. Like Those guys in Murray and Porter are so good and so talented and have grown so much over the course of the season that I think it's shown a lot of growth for Denver as a team. And, and those guys, if, if they can all like go deep into the playoffs, win a title, whatever, if they can do that, I think it's just going to be a start of the flowers that Murray and Porter are going to get because it wouldn't surprise me if they got the inside track for an all-star bid or something like that if you have the success that you do on the biggest stage. Because if Murray is consistently going off for like 25, 5, and 5 in, in the playoffs and then kind of scales it back in the regular season because it doesn't have to torque up in the playoffs, maybe people are just like, you know, that didn't want a title. Let's pay attention. And maybe they, they give them the benefit of the doubt in, in the statistics-based arguments for all-star teams that, that come out every year. And then with Porter, same thing. Like, sure, he's not going to rack up the assists. He's not going to rack up the, the playmaking opportunities that other guys do. But he fills his role to a T. And if he's the best possible shooter in the world, outside of Steph Curry and maybe Clay Thompson, then that's going to help out his case long-term. And he's, he's just going to get as much shine as there is possible. So really looking forward to those moments. Uh, those guys, they deserve it. They've worked so hard to get back to where they need to go. Finally, let's talk about Game 3. I don't know if I'm going to be able to preview Game 3. I'm traveling tomorrow, as I mentioned. I'll do my best. I, I haven't even talked about this with Michael yet, but I'll do my best to try to podcast on Thursday night, give a little bit of a preview for Game 3, what to expect. But if I don't, then here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm here's what I want to say. Gate three is going to be a 
bitch. Just an absolute bitch. And that's going to be, like, that's kind of putting it kindly, I think. I think that the Wolves are mad. I think that Anthony Edwards is mad. Put up 40. Didn't get a win. That's going to be crazy. Uh, It is going to be tough for Denver to overcome what they have to. If they do, kind of like what Golden State did to Denver on uh, last year, if they are able to win and make it kind of a formality that Minnesota doesn't really have to like feel like they can survive, like they're not going to come back from 3-0. That's, that's not going to happen. But if Denver's able to go from 2-0 to 3-0 as opposed to 2-0 to 2-1, then it will give them a lot more confidence and it'll make it that much more difficult for Minnesota to feel like they have a chance in the series. Now, they'll still play with pride. They'll still try to do those things. But if you're a team that had multiple guys punch each other, that had fights, that had disagreements behind closed doors, that doesn't really fit that well, that has guys that aren't like stars that aren't playing that well, if you have another game where Carl Anthony Towns goes for like under 15 points, that's going to be a big deal. Like that's that's going to be a thing that they're going to have to deal with. So if you can manage that and you can try to screw with their psyche a little bit in that in that particular game and steal game three on the road, then maybe you could turn it into a sweep. But if not, you can at least come back to game five on your own home floor and feel like, yeah, can definitely win this game, have all the, the confidence necessary and be able to do that. So that would be my my absolute plea. Michael Malone said in post game, let's be greedy bastards. <laughs> and that's that's a legit quote. We got to be greedy bastards when it comes to trying to earn a win in a game three on the road where it's going to be hostile. It's going to be tough. There's no doubt. Like the shooting probably won't carry over as well. But Denver, if their defense carries, if they play hard and the stars carry the day, Jokic and Murray, they have a chance. There's no doubt about that. So we will see what it looks like. But for now, I think it is time to go uh, hit that outro music for me, Michael. Folks. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Hope everybody has a great day. Hope everybody is st- the ones that stay up with me tonight. You guys are real ones. You guys are fantastic. I really do appreciate it. Uh, 1.37 right now. I, I try my best to work as hard as I can on on all of the layers that I'm trying to do for for Mile High Sports, whether it's social, whether it is writing, whether it's the podcast, doing what I can. And now I'm traveling. Now we're going to cover this thing in person. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, we'll talk to you guys very soon.